five, four, three, two, one. It is says we are live. Good evening. Good afternoon, everyone, wherever you may be watching us from. I am Jones Harwell. This is Journeys with Jones Harwell. And I am honored to have my guest this evening, Lisa Daughtry. So we share our first name together. So you got <laughs> So I'm going by Jones and then I'm going to say Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You know, when I was thinking of uh, coming out with this platform and I've, you know, we've talked about it sometime. You've mm -hmm. known me for a little while now. And I finally decided to jump in with both feet. Last mm -hmm. year, I kept saying, I've got to have this one guest, one guest. I'm going to reach out mm -hmm. to her. I'm going to reach out to her <laughs> and have her on the show. And your causes is one of the reasons why I want to have you. It's very relevant um, mm -hmm. with what's going on today, what's been going on the last year, but it's yeah. a topic as a community that we do not talk about. And I mm -hmm. know that you have been heavily involved in um, several of your endeavors for over mm -hmm. 10 years now. Right. So give a little background as to what you do and what your passion is. Okay. And sorry, I'm busy trying to adjust my phone so I, everybody can see me. Um, so let's, I guess, go back. My work consists of, as far as being a mental health advocate, as well as uh, philanthropy work. Um, mental health started when I lost my son. Uh, the eight year, it's eight years, going on nine years this year. So um, he basically uh, died by suicide, and he was one of those uh, individuals who was a strong friend. So he basically looked out for everyone else, and it's like he took on. I believe, like my son was an empath, and. And I'm, I'm as well, but he didn't know how to deal with his own coping skills. He didn't, he wasn't um, yet learn how to have coping skills. And that's to balance not only himself, but also how he can balance as far as how he feels about his friends and what they're going through. And so even though he had, you know, dealing with some, some things as far as personal for him, um, he also took on those uh, emotions, those mm -hmm. feelings as far as what his friends were going through. So uh, when that happened, I immediately jumped into uh, with the school, um, you know, because what happened was during his vigil, um, I had a lot of his friends just was contacting me on Facebook. And, you know, they was like they were just going through so much. It was painful for them. I mean, they lost a person that was like a big brother for them. So what I said to them was, I will be out there and whoever needs a hug, you know, I will be giving free hugs, you know. And when I tell you there was a line, because we had we had the visual schedule to be inside the school, the auditorium. And what happened was it uh, was such a big turnout, they moved it outside. And so uh, the visual started at started a little before sunset and um, we did like this huge circle, you know, uh, it had music. We were basically celebrating him, but it was the, the part that was so uh, 
astonishing and, and, and at the same time shocking for me was the line of kids who wanted a hug. And when I tell you each child that I hug and we were hugging until it was almost black, <laughs> it wasn't a lot of uh, street lights mm -hmm. out on the, the school campus. And um, each child, majority each child had something to say, something to say about him, something that he did for them or something that they were going through. And I was like, how can a child who don't even know me trust what they said to me, you know, in full honesty of what they were going through? And I, and I get it. I was the buffer. I was mm -hmm. the medium person. So it's like, if he was a person who was, who was uh, their confidant, now I was sort of like that, that, that olive branch tree. And so I had said, you know what, I've got to discuss this with the principal because, you know, these kids are hurting, not just hurting because of him, but they're hurting with their own, you know, dealing with their own issues. And so um, the principal was very, uh, uh, as far as open arms with the whole idea, as far as us doing some type of program. And we created a pilot where first it was just target for the 11th and 12th graders. And then uh, at, that was after the first year. After the first year, it was such a huge success because when I'm telling you, uh, with me being a testimony and then us having uh, open dialogue with the kids, we had kids that were coming, you know, going to the counselors. We had kids that were right after we had this, you know, had the speech and discussion dialogue. They were like in line, just ready to, to have conversation, more conversation. So the next year we, we uh, extended the olive branch for ninth to 12th. And then we added the parents and as well as the teachers because the teachers go through um, depression as well. I mean, yes. mm -hmm. you know, yes. you won't even get that started. <laughs> yeah. And, but, and it yeah, and especially um, a lot of times, and I commend you for the great work that you've mm -hmm. been doing. I know that you've you've partnered up with several groups, and we'll talk about that in a mm -hmm. minute. But as a parent my, myself, um, you always have to try to find. Uh oh, what did I do? Mm -hmm. here? I see you. Okay, I don't see you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it shifted. So let me, okay, now I see you. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, I don't know what's going on on this, yeah. on this desktop, but we'll mm -hmm. figure it out. But as parents, you know, a lot of times we think we know our child and mm -hmm. we think we know what signs to look for, mm -hmm. but a lot of times we don't. And I'm glad that there's a platform that you have and an avenue that you have that can reach kids that don't feel comfortable enough to well, even talk to their parents a lot of times. Can I tell you this? Yes. Um, prior to when what, what happened to my son, he wanted to talk about it, but that's what made me move forward the way I did is because it wasn't that he couldn't talk to me about it. He could. We talked about everything. But the thing is, society has built this facade that only weak people, um, you know, thinking about taking their lives, you know, only 
people who have issues. And it's not that depression is there's so many levels to depression. I mean, there's when I mean levels, there's levels where we're, um, you know, you could be depressed for maybe a day or two, just something happened, you know, and then you get back to normalcy. But then there's different levels where if you continue to feel depressed, you get into that rabbit hole and you can't get out of that rabbit hole. It's very difficult. I mean, because you're spiraling down. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened with him, you know. And when he had mentioned he wanted to talk to me, and I was like, okay, you know, let's talk. You know, I was, was I picked him up and was driving back home. And he was like, you know, no, mind, we'll talk, we'll talk about it later. And I said, no, babe, I said, you know, you can talk about it now. And I think it was like he was just so scared to talk, to discuss it. But at the same time, he knew I wasn't going to be freaking out. I would, I mean, pull the car over, us talk, I would have hold, held him or whatever. But it's it's society, it's, it's people outside to make you feel like there's something wrong with you if you just, if, and you're weak if you decide to take your life. And I would mm -hmm. say this, it takes a strong person to make an executive decision that I cannot be here on this earth again. It's not even being weak. That's that's a strong person. And and people might not understand what I'm saying, but a weak person don't want to die. That you know, regardless, they're gonna cry and wimp. A strong person who has reached their plateau where they are hopeless and they just can't. You know, it's like they're tired. They can't sleep or whatever, and they just want to have peace mm -hmm. and they make this type of decision. And I mean, even my pastor told me, she said he made an executive decision, you know, and I had to look at that because I was like, you know, I never, I didn't think of him weak and I wasn't even mad because a lot of people, when incidents like this happen, people get very angry with the person who, who took their lives. And I'm like, you know what? My son was looking for peace and that was his way of having peace to shut down the noise. And um, I will say this, that, you know, depression, mental health has no discrimination with a person, economy, ec economics, uh, status quo, demographics. I mean, it has, it has, it's just like a disease. Disease doesn't target just one race. Yeah. It, it, it is across board. It, cancer, basically will attack anybody right and so and that's what people have to look at when it comes to mental health we're we're not looking at mental health like oh there's something wrong with that person no you know what because everybody in their lifetime has dealt with their own mental health some type of level of dealing with their own mental health hmm. um go ahead babe yeah, that that that's good. That's good. So, can you talk a little bit about um, the organization that you started? And uh, you mentioned that you your platform is for the schools, but I, I have seen that well, you're branching that out. Yes. Yeah. So when I started it is because I was a backtrack. I was director. I was a board director for American Foundation Suicide Prevention. And I just felt like there wasn't a lot of work being done to help people of color. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember one time we had a retreat and, you know, it was our retreat to just um, 
uh, what would they call it? You know, when everybody's thinking, you know, storms, brainstorming and stuff. And I just said, you know what? Here's my issue with the organization. I was like, when I pick up a brochure, there's no one who looks like me. When I look at your commercials, there's no one that looks like me. And for a organization to be national and also global, I would expect you to see a brochure where everybody could relate to whoever's on there. And that means of all colors. And so from there, I remember um, I had went to Miami to digress a little bit and I had got a call from a radio station to come in. And um, I remember the director uh, for the chapter, um, I told the radio station, I said, let me uh, advise them that I'm joining them on, on the um, segment. Mm-hmm. And I remember the director said, they're not going to know that you're black. <laughs> really? In other words, he didn't want me to go because he felt like two people were sufficient enough to be on on an urban radio station to inform people of color about mental health. And uh, I said, it's not me who insists I be here. It's the radio station who insists I be here because I am a person of color and people can relate to my story. And that made me just, you know, take a step back. And I said, you know what? I got to do something for my people, even though overall my organization is to help people in general. Um, I start, you know, continue to do things for the young, the the youth. But then I branched out to helping men. And I did like for two years prior to um, the pandemic, Mm -hmm. I did a for the month of November. uh, We did a, a, a an event for men only where men would come in and there was a therapist uh, that could talk about your mental health. We also had um, an individual talk about finances, being an entrepreneur. But our focus was, was to make sure that men uh, were, were okay, were, they, were going, they were good in, inside and out. And so we did that for two years. It was great. I mean, when I'm telling you, the brothers were very happy to be in a place where um, they didn't have to, they can share amongst themselves and fellowship at the same time. Um, I, I was just like, you know, I just can't, I can't just have my, my organization just be just for kids. It has to be for the people. But as I said, I tell people, I, my emphasis is I always put my people first, mm-hmm. even though general mental health is, is, is basically for everybody. Um, right. and at the same time, I branched it out even further because my son was um, a volunteer at the live house. And that's a, a homeless shelter, a transition home for women with children. And they loved him. You know, they have a picture of him in the office and everything. And I said, when I had to get myself together, I would spend my holidays as far as dedicating to that. And so with that, every year around Christmas time, starting end of November, um, we basically help the moms and the, and the kids with their Christmas wish list. And so this year it was really different. Um, we, I had my company that uh, joined on board and they had an Amazon wish list. So people sent gifts. Um, I cooked dinner for the whole house. Uh, for oh, the, uh, wow. Right? <laughs> um, 
also I have other friends who do nonprofit work. You know, they came in and brought me diapers, brought me gift cards, brought me toys. So like now the house has not just for the kids, but they have house uh, toys for the house. So mm-hmm. when the kids, you know, um, have some downtime, they can go to the little library area and they got books. And so um, Alive is like my baby. I, I Every year I, I'm like focus on that from Thanksgiving up to Christmas and just make sure that the moms don't have to worry about the kids mm-hmm. um, as well as the kids don't have a Christmas where they just feel like, you know, sometimes people don't understand when you don't have nothing or, you know, you're in a, in a destitute or, you know, you just, your life, I mean, you're dealing with challenges you just can't, can't deal with. And then you have a child that you wish could have a Christmas that they would not forget. And that's my focus is to make sure, give them, uh, like every year I give, I do a gift ba- basket for the mom. So I make sure they have from toiletries to even kitchen little stuff and, you know, just little stuff for themselves. But then for the kids, I make sure all, every kid gets everything they want on their list. But it's like, just imagine when a child who now has lived in a home and now is in a shelter and, you know, it's like, that's, you don't want to spend your, your time in Christmas, uh, Christmas. You don't want to spend your time in a shelter in Christmas, but you right. do, but let's make it rememberable. So that say, you know what? It wasn't bad because I, people do care. And, mm-hmm. and, um, it's just, it's, a, it's, I tell you every year it just gives me, I mean, I get stressed out because I want, I want it to be perfect, but it's such a good feeling to make sure that these kids, they're so excited at Christmas Eve because they know Chris, the next day is Christmas day. And like this year, I mean, like I put my foot in it when cooking, I was like, God dang. <laughs> but, um, and that has to be a great feeling because I know there's a stigma that comes to, even if it's no fault of your own, that, you know, you come across whatever the bad hardship or the bad time right. is, and you find yourself uh, reluctant or at the hands of someone else right, to, to help you. So I really, really do commend that. Would you Um, I made a baked salmon. And I bought, I got it from the wharf. I had um, asparagus and then I had rosetto with mushrooms. Mm. And um, it was, I was like, dang, I should have made some extra. <laughs> <laughs> I know how we get with our food when we right. are foodies. <laughs> my, um, I definitely my, know how we are. So with 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 the this last year in the pandemic, mm-hmm. And everybody has been finding a way to the word of 2020 was shift mm-hmm. as to how they do business because a lot of times you can't do, you know, you weren't able to do stuff right, right. Uh, right. in large groups. How have you been able to still um, get your platform out to people? I mean, well, I mean, social media has been my, um, which, I'll just say this, social media, I mean, especially prior to and now have been my tool as far as getting the word out. But it's like, 
I have to now tell, make sure that I tell myself, hey, Lisa, you got to post something on social media because I've gotten to a point it's like, oh, they need to see a face with, you know, see a face, Lisa, or, you know, you got to post something because sometimes it'll be, I might take a day or two off. Mm-hmm. And I and I need it sometimes because it's just like I'm 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 going like a choo choo train, you know. I'm like constantly my mind like even runs now because I'm thinking of stuff that I want to do, you know, projects or stuff I'm trying to in the future to to produce. And I'm just like wow. So it's like um, I also am a director for a. Uh, woman's wellness for women of color and it's no more martyrs. So it's like <laughs> my day consists of every day is by eight o'clock post something that is motivational and inspiring for women to read or, you know, something. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, I got to post on mine too, you know, or something. <laughs> and I just, sometimes I just be like, okay, just post on no more martyrs. And that's it. You ain't got to look. You don't have to do nothing for yourself because it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I just need a moment. And so, mm-hmm. I um, for no more martyrs like weekends, I promote self care on on the uh, Facebook community page, and I do it for myself because I was like, you know, even though we're um, we are promoting mental health for women of color. I also got to make sure that these women understand you can't keep going like the every ready rabbit constantly yes. just going, going, going. And I like, so that's why, you know, the founder, she was like, I love like weekend. You just, you constantly put that in there, in their, in their face on a post safe self-care. So I'll mm-hmm. provide self-care tips or, um, you know, just it, it shouldn't just be every time you just go and go and go and somebody got to see you doing this. It's like, and even for mine, I'll, people would know, okay, she's going to post something self-care on her personal page. Cause yeah, because guess what? The only way I've been, I'm still here at this point is because Lisa had to learn, okay, you're doing all this, but sometimes it does burn you out. And yeah. I'm saying it burn me out where it's a, in a bad thing, but because you're trying to do so much. And at sometimes you got to say to yourself, you know what? You're going to have to put a hole that can be done um, later. You need to rest, you know, and I literally, I love taking naps now or, you know, I love working out, but mm-hmm. I can sit and watch TV, watch a good movie. And I'll be like for hours. And I'm like, but that was so much fun. But it's so relaxing. Right. And I just, and I and I start to pace myself now because I'm like Lisa, today to everything wasn't done today, or you got this, this, and this done today. Mm-hmm. There's tomorrow, and then there's day after tomorrow. You're not going to do everything in one day. And I had to teach myself that because I was like, you have to slow down. You got to take a, a breath, you know, a breather, and say, okay, I let me just relax. Right. Let me re, let me rejuvenate myself. Right. Sometimes a lot of times we wait till the weekend, but one of the things that I've, I've been plugging uh, for the last six months or so is mm-hmm. take time every day. Right. Exactly. Even, even if it's just five minutes or 10 minutes and you're sipping on right. tea and it's your favorite cup of tea, or as you said, reading a book, taking a yeah. nap, find that because right. when we don't take that, 
Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes it then becomes too late when we right. get self-care because now we're doing it because something's wrong with our body. Exactly. And, and like in this cup, I have cut sliced linen. I have black seed oil. I have turmeric. I have honey. I have ginger mm. because dealing with, I'm dealing with, we're dealing with the pandemic, but I love how all I mix that up together and it's delicious. And I would drink it all day, all day. But I'm like, Lisa, you know, and I love tea. You know, mm-hmm. I drink coffee every day, but I'm just like, you know what? Just mellow out. You know, out. I have so many sticky pads and and, and on my <laughs> phone, I have a, a on this phone, I have an ink pad. So when something hits me, I, I'll put it into my ink pad note because I was like, Lisa, just, you know, I, I know I can't have my brain stop sometimes, but it's like, let me put it on here. I'm good. All right, put it down. You got it down so you can reference back to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, and just relax. And then I have my dogs and, and my boyfriend, his family. I'm just like, you know, it's I they made me slow down even more just to enjoy being around them. So mm-hmm. and I, I know as as a writer, um my brain is weird because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was like, you know, when I went back to school. I had to do that transition from academic work to right. what I love fiction. And I was going somewhere one day and a thought hit me for a scene. So I'm grabbing, you know, punch, punching my phone to do the voice recorder. And uh-huh. my turn. Miss my turn. I was like, I can't do that no more. <laughs> you know, I had to tell my brain, you can't have these thoughts while I'm driving. You mm-hmm. know, you have to wait till I get to where I'm going so I can so I can jot this down. Right. I know uh, one of your other uh, passions that you've been slowly working on is mm-hmm. writing. How is that coming along? So it, I've been writing for years, but when um, I lost my son, I stopped. And I mean, I have like so many books that's in storage, but, uh, and at the same same time, I lost my stepping, my, my footing with writing. And it was like, sometimes I'll say, you know, I need to write, I need to write that. I need to write, you know, and I just could not get my footing to like, just, just even hit the first, you know, couple of sentences. Mm-hmm. And, um, what started me back was um, Amy Buell, who was the founder of uh, My Story Isn't Over Yet, and she had passed away uh, before the book was published, but uh, she was collecting uh, stories from from writers, um, inspiring writers from writers. And I kept saying, oh, I want to do that. But then, like I said, it was my footing was sort of off and I kept saying, yeah, I might do that. Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm just feeling tiling back and forth with it. And then when I got, I uh, looked at it, it says uh, deadline ends, da, 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 da. When I'm telling you, I, I don't know what happened. I typed <laughs> and then I had, then I had to have a picture. Oh, okay. Taken. <laughs> so I, um, I remember I had got a tattoo of a butterfly that's on my ankle with a semicolon mm-hmm. as his body. <clears throat> and I said, I want to use that as for this for the backdrop of the story. And so I had my play brother 
who, who's a photographer, take pictures of my ankle with um, Yvette Crocker has these yeah. uh, these uh, tennis shoes that have butter black butterflies on, mm-hmm. which was perfect. And um, so I took it and then maybe a few weeks or whatever, maybe a month go by. And then I got an email saying, oh, you're going, you know, that your story will be published in, in her book. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I was like, okay. So that happened. I got the book. I, I was sitting there, sitting there, open the book and looking. I was like, you did that, girl. And you did that within like a couple of days. So that 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 was like my little push button. And then yeah. um, I kept saying, because everybody who knows me or know, or know about me personally knows, you know, most of my stories, you know, my journey, what I've been through. And everybody keeps saying, girl, you need to write a book, like seriously write a book. And I'm like, oh my God. because <laughs> what I learned recently and thank goodness to Kevin Powell is because I don't want to get sued. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, you can write without placing the char- without placing that character's name in the book, so you right. don't get sued. I was like, Whew. I was like, I'm glad to know that because I said it's not like it's dirt, but the, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the truth. Stuff yeah. that happened is the truth. Exactly. And so I'm just like, okay. And um, recently, starting last year, when the pandemic happened, Kevin Powell started a workshop and. Every two is it every Tuesday or yeah, I think it was every Tuesday, which he's starting back up this month um, where we spent two hours. Some were doing poems some would read a little bit of this snippet. And then he also will educate us as far as the whole process from writing to even self-publishing to even pub getting to publish, you know, and so forth and legal stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, I'm telling you, I think what inspired me the most was listening to people who have, who basically started drafting, been drafting, and some who have created poems, hakus, and all that. Mm-hmm. And what I'm telling you, for two hours, I was like, now, Lisa never could keep still in class, but for two <laughs> hours, I was like, God dang, I get all this. I'm just, when I'm telling you, I would have my glass of wine or tea, whatever, here, you know, sitting here and then be ready to get logged on to Zoom. And I would get so excited to see people and then listen to people. And I'm just like, wow, it's like, okay, I can do this. And mm-hmm. so before uh, Kevin had took his, because Kevin, he's a person who he took, uh, not a hiatus, but he took, he took a break. He mm-hmm. took a break, and what he said, he does it every year. He takes a break in December, so basically, it's almost like a month mid mid December to mid of January. And so, um, he took a break, and it's you need a moment to take care of yourself. And so, um, before then, he said, "I want us to have a book because some some of our conversation dialogue was about racism and stuff, and you know, just whatever." Yeah. And I was like, "Gosh, I got I got a few stories," and I, and which this is a my piece that's in the book that's coming out in probably like next week. Mm-hmm. It'll be out. Um, was was dealing with racism 
one of my racism scenarios when I was young back in Portsmouth, Virginia. And um, the funny thing is what triggered me is during the pandemic, No More Martyrs, we held a virtual graduation for women of color. We had like 40 some women and our Zoom call got hacked. Mm. And I was speaking to the graduates and you just heard all this, you know, vulgar, just rude, just, I, I just, I, it triggered me. And I, I had to think quickly because I was looking at these women faces and I was like, how dare you do this to women? Right. You know, how dare you? And we reset got the zoom call back on and everything but it triggered me to think about what it made me say Lisa remember how you felt when you dealt with racism back at home and I it was like and I told him I said we're going to be resilient absolutely we're not going to let this stop us I was like because y'all some of these women had been through had had cancer chemotherapy just I mean so much was going on and like to accomplish to finish school during a pandemic, mm -hmm. I was just like, no, mm -mm. we ain't gonna let this take us down. No, no, ma'am, no. And so I put that snippet because I also was going through every year when it comes around Memorial Weekend, mm -hmm. I had to take a little time because that's my son's anniversary when he passed. And so I had told the founder, I said, you know, I'll let you know about you know, join y'all on this call. And I did because I was like, you know what? I said, these ladies need encouragement. So it was like, I was going through so many emotions and I put it in that, that, that journal entry for his book because it made what was happening then and what I could remember what happened back then. Mm -hmm. I had, it was like a few, a heat was coming off of my body. I could feel the heat just rising. And I was just like, you know, <laughs> my mom, she was an activist. You know, my parents were active voters. And I was like, from that, I in detailed as far as what happened November 4th. So it was like, I was like, Lisa, you wrote this journal, girl. <laughs> and uh, one of the editors, she was like, I want more. Mm -hmm. You know, when she was reading it, she was like, I want more. Mm -hmm. of, of, I want to read more of this from you. And I was like, okay. I was like, mm -hmm. I did it. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 is, it is such a, you know, because... For I'm talking to my dog, <laughs> it's a chocolate. No, yeah. okay. And uh, you know, it, it's amazing because I sat on this for so long. People mm -hmm. have said to me, you know, you have such an optimistic spirit, you know, right. you should do this platform. And I was like, and you know me now, this is not my wheelhouse, I'm just going to do one on one. And then I found that once I got out of my way. Mm -hmm. And God said, but this is your platform. You know, mm -hmm. this really is your platform. Even though you love to write fiction, you still have an opportunity to, to help other people tell their stories. Mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. is what I love about um, Journeys with Jones Harwell is because mm -hmm. 
people can get on here. And, uh, you know, the segment is called Unapologetic. And right. it's for that reason. You don't owe anyone the explanation. Right. You know? But is your opinions, is how you feel. But there's somebody out there, always out there, that needs to mm -hmm. hear the story. Right. And whether it's in a written format or we're sitting here chatting one on one, having a conversation, mm -hmm. it's still reaching that one person. Mm -hmm. And um, I really, really appreciate you. I thank you so much for taking the time. I'm not, we're going to wrap up here, but if you could, and I'm going to leave it in the comments for people mm -hmm. to, um, to uh, hear, to mm -hmm. how to reach out to you. Um, if you need volunteers for any of your activities, mm -hmm. uh, where they can get some information if they are in crisis and anything else you would like to share. So I'm going to give my email account, um, okay. which is Phoenix R, and it's Phoenix, like the city Phoenix, R, LLC4 at gmail.com. Oh, let me spell right. E-H-O-E-N-I-X-X-R, LLC4, that's the letter four. Uh -huh. The number four <laughs> at uh -huh. gmail.com. I know what you meant. <laughs> Virgo sisters, I know exactly mm -hmm. what you meant. <laughs> okay. Come. And they can reach me. And even if I'm on Facebook, it's, uh, and I have two Facebook accounts. So one right now is locked, but the Lisa T. Daughtry, okay. you can find me. Or you can find me on uh, Instagram uh, at one underscore Phoenix Rising. Okay. And on. I'm finding that I have copper tunnel now in both hands. So it's like in the evening, I have to, to at literally put right. my hands like this to sleep because if I do this, it they lock up and I'm screaming. Oh. <laughs> I'm literally screaming. And I know you just finished the one program for um, the Christmas holidays for Alive. Mm -hmm. Is there any way that people during the year can uh, donate yeah. or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If they need information, they can contact me because they do um, collect throughout the year. But it's like, uh, and people understand that some when organizations do a lot of campaigning as far as needing help, like coat drives or and so forth, is because the need for for uh, just necess things that are necessary for people to have. It, it's 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 a, the supply is right. very low, and like last year when I toured the the warehouse, they only had certain amount of food to feed people, and they were like they were low on it. So it was like I was like went back out and was like, hey guys, listen, you know they need help as far as getting some food there because they had to feed people. They, they just don't feed people on certain days. They feed people every day, Monday, Sunday through Saturday. And that's any shelter. I mean, they have, 
they need people to help them. And I mean, I, and I, and I commend those people who go out to the parks and prepare the food. I did that uh, with my family uh, one year for Christmas. We didn't celebrate Christmas inside the house. Our Christmas was spent feeding the needy and um, at the park. So understand if this is a it's a it's an everyday job for those people. So even in when you decide to uh, contribute, mm-hmm. okay, you know, make some type of uh, right. donation, so, or if you mm-hmm. want to volunteer, understand that it's just not, you know, like I tell them, just call me. It's something you need. I can probably find get somebody, one of my friends, who can get that for you. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's a dire need. I mean, especially now we have yeah. people who, I mean, the food banks need, need help. help. They do. They do. They do. They do. Any last words of advice or encouragement you'd like to leave our audience with this evening? Um, I think like today I have post, there's nothing wrong with, um, there's nothing wrong with you going to therapy. And that's even for little minutiae things to even something that's big. And understand, try to have this open dialogue with your family at home, at the home front. Um, Make it that your family members are comfortable to talk about it. Let's not be, uh, we can't judge. Let's not judge people. Let's make it comfortable that your children your husband, your wife, your brother, sisters, aunt, uncles, grandma, whoever, because like I said, it has it, it depression strikes anybody. It has no preference. And so I want people to have open dialogue and feel comfortable where uh, you're not judging a person. You you'll say, you know what, this person's really not having a good, a good day, or mm-hmm. I noticed this person has been consistent with. A few things I noticed is a little off. They're not the same anymore. Don't take it like, oh, they'll be all right. Some people are going are going through something and they're afraid to talk about it is because they don't want to be judged. They don't want some people to talk behind their backs or make fun of them. And we shouldn't be doing that, especially now around this time. People are suffering because of this pandemic. People are dealing with hard hardship. Some either financially, physically, or mentally, but we all got to be uh, like, we all got to help each other. Right. Really. Yes, indeed. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Lisa. You are so welcome. This concludes this broadcast of Journeys with Jones Harwell, your host, Jones Harwell, and our guest this evening, the beautiful, fantastic mm-hmm. Audrey. I will be back again on Saturday with Dr. Tashika Green, and we're going to be talking about education and virtuous women. And tell my boyfriend, I said, hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, All everybody. Right. Bye-bye. Good night,